This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Three years ago today, on December 28th, 2018, Paul Whelan was set up by the Russian security services, the FSB, and arrested and has been in wrongful detention ever since. David Whelan is Paul Whelan's twin brother, and he talks with us about the difficulty of having a family member in Russian custody, unfairly convicted, unsure of when and if he'll get out. Talk about a roller coaster uh, to the point now that we've been doing this so long that some of the tasks that we had originally sort of uh, shared out amongst ourselves. Paul has three siblings, my sister Elizabeth, me and our brother, uh, who are my sister and brother are both in the States. And um, so we have started to shift some of those responsibilities because it does. It just does. It eats away at you. Where do things stand? What's the U.S. government doing? And how is Paul Whelan doing? Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. A little less than three years ago, I got in touch with the Whelan family and spoke with David Whelan to ask how their family was doing and to send along my thoughts and prayers. We've been in touch in one way or another almost every week since then. The objective has been to keep up with Paul's situation, give some moral support, and to try to keep our listeners and the readers of my Inside the Skiff newsletter plugged in so they could support Paul and the family. Today, three years have passed, and not much has changed since all this began. And David Whelan, again, shares his family's and his concerns. David, thank you for joining us. It's December 28th, 2021, and this is a very important date in the life of your brother and yourself and your entire family. And I'm wondering if you would just tell us what the importance is. Three years ago today, on December 28th, 2018, Paul Whelan was set up by the Russian security services, the FSB, and arrested and has been in wrongful detention ever since. And remind us how that setup took place. Well, as we understand it from the reports that came out of the secret uh, trial and from the secret evidence, uh, Paul was in his hotel room in Moscow uh, about to go to a wedding of a friend, a fellow U.S. Marine uh, veteran, and a Russian friend came into uh, his room and passed him a USB stick that he said had photos from a previous holiday that the two had shared, and uh, he was immediately arrested, and apparently there were not photographs on on the USB stick. Paul never was able to check. And then there was this long, drawn-out situation where Paul was in in, in jail um, in, in, in a very famous prison in Moscow, and he went uh, essentially through what 
has been become known as a, a bogus, a sham trial. Um, summarize what happened for us. Well, he was in La Fortiva for the maximum amount of times that, that you're allowed to be in La Fortiva, the uh, pretrial detention facility there in Moscow that is used for people who are charged with treason. Uh, and he was uh, summarily convicted at the end of June 2020 and uh, then was shipped out to a labor camp in Mordovia in September of last year and has been there ever since. Part of the reason why I ask you this um whole process again i mean i know this stuff by heart almost but part of the reason why i ask you to uh sort of uh to just remind us and um summarize this is for people that might be new joining this podcast uh, i've been in touch with you and your family for close to three years now and there have been situations where i thought this there was some some light at the end of the tunnel that this might actually be done um, he's now in that labor camp, um, and I'm not sure what the situation is. Can you tell us what the current situation is for your brother? Well, it's very much, uh, I think, the the normal prison life. He, he lives day to day. He tries to keep his spirits up, but he is in a labor camp where they make um, some sort of uh, textile products. So he is sewing buttonholes um, and, you know, in conditions where they're inhaling the uh, the textile um, remnants, so he's got a persistent cough now, as do apparently a number of the other prisoners there. Um, it's it's a it's a waiting life, uh, and he is waiting for the U.S. government, which seems to be the only government that's able to take any action on his behalf, to find a way to have him released. And uh, I think we were all hopeful soon after his um, initial arrest that it might be a matter of weeks, like like it was with Nicholas Daniloff, uh, or it might be a year like it was with Edmund Pope, both uh, U.S. citizens who had been through the same process, the same entrapments and the same uh, hostage diplomacy. But uh, Paul is now at mark uh, three years. And um, as you say, there's not an obvious uh light on the horizon that shows that he's going to be free. What's the latest developments from the U.S. government on this? Well, uh, we only see what uh, everybody else sees for the most part. Um, We are hoping to have my sister go back down to uh, D.C. to, again, continue her advocacy work. She is going to be going for her 16th trip in January. Uh, and that means going and you know meeting with people she has met with before, hopefully meeting with people she hasn't uh, in the past, and bringing them up to speed as as you've just done with this podcast on Paul's case. Uh, and frankly, we will continue to do that uh, with the next Congress, which we might have new members that we'll have to deal with in the fall, uh, perhaps with a new ambassador if that ever changes uh, other people at the state. And we will continue to uh, to reeducate them. But that's that's really where we are right now is. Uh, um, continuing to advocate and to hope that the frequent interactions that the Biden administration has had with the uh, Russians, uh, with President Putin and with his uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs will continue, uh, because I think that is the spark of hope that we have, which is that uh, for the first time in the last you know nine, 10 months, uh, the U.S. has been very openly engaged with the, the Russian government about uh, many issues, but Paul's case in particular. And um, you say that you, you you know pretty much what we know, which is what we see in some media someplace. I mean, we don't really get a lot of details from the State Department uh, or the government about your brother. I do know that uh, the family of Trevor Reed 
um, spoke about your brother on a couple of programs not long ago on television. Uh, and, you know, in the, in the process of advocating for the release of their son. Uh, and, you know, we've heard as well passing mentions of, of, of Paul by Secretary Blinken uh, from the State Department. But uh, other than that, we don't get a lot of details and information about what's taking place. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about why it's taking so long compared to Danilov and Pope. It's hard to, to know. And first, let me say, uh, Trevor Reed's case is, is a terrible one. And, and I think really emphasizes the problem here, which is that uh, it's a second case of hostage diplomacy, uh, where the Russians have taken advantage of a situation where a, a U.S. veteran in Russia uh, was arrested, and and they have um, put him essentially in the same boat that Paul is in, although for a less severe crime and for fewer years in a labor colony, but he's in the same boat. And it's, it, it's a shame because I think that that will continue to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a frustration for I think all of the families, and there are dozens and dozens of families who have American citizen loved ones who are being held by other nations, not by terrorist groups or anything, but by Russia and by China and by Iran and by Egypt and so on. And really, most of what we learn is what is released by a spokesperson uh, at a press conference in Washington, or that appears in uh, media through other uh, interactions or interviews that uh, you all uh, do, um, we don't get a lot of direct information about what is going on, what is planned. Uh, we have a general sense that we that people are working on these cases. Uh, we know, for example, um, from a meeting that we had with uh, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, he met with many, many families um, who are all in this position that they are they are committed to this, but the details aren't there. And so we, we really don't have any more sense of the details involved in what's going on with Paul's case, the likelihood that, that something might be uh, about to happen or might happen in two years. You know, we don't really have any idea. So is Paul speaking with your family still on the phone, your parents? So far, so good. Yes. Uh, there was a period of time, well, uh, up until he was uh, sent out to Mordovia. So the first 18, 19 months or so, he wasn't able to speak with anybody in our family. And then he was able to start having regular phone calls with our parents. That was blocked just about the time uh, that President Putin and President Biden met in Geneva over the summer for about a month, month and a half. And then since then, he has been able to call our parents again, although he's not able to uh, speak with uh, any of the embassies who are providing consular support for him. But those daily calls to our parents have been happening. So we we do have a, a rough sense of what his life is like and, and what's going on in his mind. And give us give us that same sense if you can summarize that. It's a bit of a roller coaster. I think some days he's uh, upbeat and, you know, things haven't been too terrible at the prison. Uh, it it might have been that he, he got a food parcel or he's just had a visit from one of the embassies that have gone out there. And and uh, so he's much more interested in just talking about the daily life in a little town in, in Michigan where my parents live. Uh, and other days he's obviously very depressed, very down uh, and um, wondering when uh, his release is going to be organized, you know, uh, whether people still uh, remember who he is and, and that he has been in this position far longer than most news stories last. Uh, and, and those are, I think, hard for my parents. You know, um, the family of Trevor Reed has mentioned that they feel pretty confident that the Russians are looking for a trade for their son, at least. And I'm not sure if you get that sense with your brother or not, but um, that they may be looking for trades to um, settle the situation. Um, 
you know, between uh, the U.S. and Russia. Um, have you heard anything about that recently? No, uh, specifically, we've not heard anything from the U.S. government, and we have only ever heard anything related to trades uh, in Russian media being uh, sort of outputs from the Russian Ministry of uh, Foreign Affairs. So, I, I mean, that may be a, a way that it, it will be resolved, but no, we don't have any detail. Uh, and I think one of the troubles we're seeing, even with the uh, the recent demands uh, that Russia has placed for NATO and the U.S. in relation to Ukraine, is that uh Russia may have asked for something that is impossible to provide them, uh, which is essentially a, a false uh, opportunity for exchange. So we try to uh, to focus on what we know, which isn't very much, and and not um, think too hard or worry too much about uh, possible exchanges that uh, that may or may not come about because, frankly, the terms aren't uh, aren't going to be possible. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Ukraine, and uh, I'm wondering how that's impacting your quest to get your brother freed. I think there are many things that go on in the U.S. government, so I don't know that the issue with Ukraine has necessarily derailed any discussions around Paul. I think all of these things happen almost on separate uh, wavelengths. Um, Our concern with any potential uh, second illegal invasion by Russia of Ukraine is the impact it would have on the mission in Moscow, the U.S. embassy and their staff, uh, which has already been reduced down to about 10% of what it was from 2017. So they've just got over 100 people. There are about five citizen service people who are able to uh, work with us to help support Paul. And so any additional diminution in staffing uh, would obviously have a direct impact on Paul's ability to get food, uh, to get vitamins, to get the, the sort of support that we need when phone calls are canceled, to get that diplomatic note sent, all of those sorts of things uh, become a risk for Paul uh, when Russia invades Ukraine. Back to what Paul goes through on a day-to-day basis. You said that there are days that are good and there are days that are bad. Um, And I know some time ago he had uh, some health issues. Uh, What do you know about that? Is he better? Uh, Has he, you know, been healed? I know he had some pretty significant issues before. Yeah, he had uh, surgery. Uh, it must have been earlier this year, I think, and uh, or maybe no, maybe it was closer to the to the trial. You know, it, after three years, some of this starts starts yes. to come together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, he has definitely healed from the hernia surgery that he had had to have. It was an emergency surgery he had, um, and he's recently um, had some dental work done. Apparently, there is a, a dentist who rides circuit among a, a number of colonies, and you can um, have you know proper dental work done rather than just having uh, teeth extracted. Um, so I think in general, you know, from a physical standpoint, he's in as good condition as he could be. He's lost some weight. He, he seems to be healthy as long as we can, as I say, keep him supplemented with the things that the prison uh, food doesn't provide him, uh, which is apparently what all Russian prisoners have to go through. They have to have family sending them uh, dried fruits and vegetables, nuts, things to to supplement the basic diet. But uh, from that perspective, I think he's in as good condition as he could be. What about you and your efforts and your sister's efforts and your family's efforts, you know, it's, it's very, very easy to understand how this can drain you after three years. Uh, yeah, and, but I'm wondering, do you get the sense on any given day that the worst may be over or is it Groundhog's Day every day? It's Groundhog's Day every day. Uh, yeah. I mean, talk about a roller coaster uh, to the point now that we've been doing this so long that some of the tasks that we had originally sort of uh, shared out amongst ourselves. Paul has three siblings, my sister Elizabeth, me and our brother. 
uh, who are my sister and brother are both in the States. And um, so we have started to shift some of those responsibilities because it does, it just does, it eats away at you. Um, you know, I get up every morning and read Russian media. I send off a uh, sort of a summary of important uh, topics to my family members so that everybody's sort of up to date on what's going on in, in Russia. And, and you get tired after a while yeah. of, 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 of worrying, you know, what am I going to read in the paper today? What, you know, what media in my case, am I going to have to interact with that day if something surprising happens or something untoward happens? So again, you know, a Russian invasion of, of Ukraine is exactly the sort of thing that we worry about because we don't really know what the uh, outcomes would be for Paul. And, and I realize that that's a kind of a, a, a minuscule, not important on a global uh, spectrum sort of issue, but that's that's sort of what our days are like. And, and I think every day is that way. And you do get a little bit burned out. Um, so moving forward, there there has to be a way for more people to understand just how difficult this journey has been and is for you and your family and will be until your brother is home. Uh, and looking at the other families that are going through similar things, you know, in other parts of the, the country with other countries like uh, the Sitco Six, you know, um, you guys have connected on several occasions and there are other hostage families as well that have connected. Um, what what can what can the the public do aside from this uh, to make this more of an issue? Which I think that is the key to everything here. Just from my perspective, is the public here? So, what can the public do? I think it's very difficult to maintain any sort of public interest in each of these stories because I think that. Each of these stories happens to an individual, and though, so although the U.S. government is dealing with hostage diplomacy against U U.S. citizens, it's happening in such a piecemeal way, and in some cases, it's not. It doesn't ever reach the media because the family or the government has determined that that's probably not the best, but uh, best result. Um, so I think it's extraordinarily difficult. And as we found with Paul's case, I mean, you just can't keep a media story going for three years. Uh, you have to have regular things to feed that story to keep people's interest. And so we've been extraordinarily thankful for the people who have followed for the media like you who have followed the case for the three years, uh, for the friends and family who continue to donate to his GoFundMe um, and write letters to him and, and all, all those people. But even that, I mean, there is a sapping of strength, not necessarily of interest, but I mean, it's just hard to keep up that over, over a long time. And I think it's very, very difficult, perhaps impossible to do that uh, with the public. Um, so even if there's a lot of outrage, even if there's a lot of public support for bringing someone back immediately, um, if it doesn't happen in a couple of weeks, like it did with Nick Daniloff, then I think it is going to be very difficult to uh, continue to have the public engaged in that as an issue that affects either their lives or even generally the lives of Americans who may not ever be in the position of, you know, being uh, kidnapped and taken to Rwanda like uh, Mr. Rusesa Begina was uh, done, um, the Hotel Rwanda hero, yeah. um, or the Sitco Six, you know, who had gone to a business meeting in Venezuela. You know, they can't, it's hard to picture yourself being in that sort of situation and having that happen and, and continue to have the emotion or outrage that is required to you know, impact government and their decisions. 
I want to say something here that uh, I think relates directly to the dilemma that you point out that we have that I hope people will take in the right sense, and certainly you uh, and your family and all of those that might hear this. There is a problem with us in America right now. It's called distraction. There are so many social media inputs and outputs, throughputs. There are so many uh, opportunities for us to get mixed up on what's important. And there are countries out there that want us to maintain that distraction, to maintain that sense of being mixed up and not really sure about what's happening. But one of the things that we have tried to do from the very beginning, or at least very close to it, is to maintain a steady stream of information about Paul. There are others who've done the same thing. The problem that we run into is that sometimes people don't really know where these sources are to find these things. So, you know, I'm hopeful that you and your family can continue to tell people about not just this podcast, but any media. And you can find this stuff out at freepaulwhalen.com. Who is actually doing podcasts? Who is actually uh, writing newsletters? They're out there. That kind of stuff appears on their website, but it needs to be talked about. If you hear about it, folks, tell somebody else about it. Have them tell somebody else about it. And and and, and Paul's case and Trevor Reed and all of the folks uh, that are in custody, wherever they are, their cases, their, their situations deserve your attention. So we need to continue to push this. Uh, and a couple of more things for you, David, before we finish today. How valuable is that to you? It's extraordinarily valuable to me. Uh, I, I read it, even though sometimes it's things that I've written. And uh, uh, I, I'm very grateful for it. I think uh, I think it's one of the things uh, that, and in fact, I've, I've written a short, short ebook that I'm going to release next week about family members working with the media in this sort of situation. And I think it's one of the things that's really tricky to express to people is that when your family members first detained, you've got all of this public interest and you try and make as much of it as you can to, to focus people on the dilemma that is currently going on. But after a while, either you get traction with the government or you get traction in whichever ways you need to. And so that, that public interest is helpful, but not necessarily definitive for getting a solution to happen. And so what happens with a lot of media and, and things like your newsletter is that it, sh- it is grateful. It, it is great for us to be able to see as a family to know that we can then tell Paul, you know, JJ has been continuing to cover your case literally every week uh, for the last, uh, what is that, 156 weeks. And uh, I mean, that means a lot to the family. It means a lot to the friends and supporters. It reinforces people when we do have those dips and, and, and depressions in our, in our attempt to uh, support Paul and Paul and his attempt to survive all of this uh, as as whole as possible, um, because we can see that that's happening and we can see that you are pushing that out to your audience and that there are people out out there who care and it's really just not a family against the Russian government or even a family against the U.S. government while we are trying to get some attention there. It's uh, it's hugely helpful and uh, and I I'm a librarian and I don't have any idea about how to make these sorts of resources uh, more openly available or to get people to to click through to become educated on the many, many dozens of American families who are in the same position as we are. 
Well, I, I have a little bit of an idea how that works. And we're grateful that you, you said what you said and what you do, what you do. But I want to be clear, this is not to promote Target USA or Inside the Skiff. This is to promote community. And community is really the only way that this situation with your brother and others can be worked out. And that is mobilizing a larger portion of the community to understand what's at, what's at stake and what's important. Uh, and so the, the way to do that, that I've learned is to spread the word, not about per se this podcast or, or any media, but to spread the word about the situation and to do it in a responsible way to the truth. That's one of the issues that we have right now. There's so much disinformation flooding the U.S., a lot of it coming from Russia, designed to keep us distracted, to keep us off balance, to keep us unsure of what to believe. But I can tell you this. We write the truth every week in Inside the Skiff. This podcast here is the truth. There are numerous other media outlets out there that are telling you the truth about this situation. In fact, with Paul's own twin brother, David, here telling you this, this is the truth. Let other folks know about his situation and get involved because this is a part of what makes America vulnerable at this point. People knowing this is happening and not doing anything about it per se, because it's taking a long time or I don't know anything about it. It's hard for me to look. No, look, things are hard, but this is something that we have to deal with and we can't allow this to continue. Last thing I'll ask you, your brother, um, you know, as you said before, he tries to maintain a brave face um, and, you know, talks to your folks and, and you guys as often as he can. How are your parents holding up and what are what is there and your message to everyone about this, not just us here in the States, but to the, 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 the Russian government and to other people around the world? Uh, well, there would, be, there would be different messages there. Uh, my, my parents are in their 80s now. Um, both have entered uh, their 80s uh, while Paul has been in prison and, and obviously are getting older. And I think that's perhaps our biggest concern is that Paul is able to see them again uh, before, before they die. And uh, having to do that with uh, the pandemic at the same time has made it very difficult for us to, for any of us to see our parents um, because we want to make sure that we also are not putting them at risk and and making it more difficult for for Paul to be able to get back in time. I think first I would say to all of the people who have supported Paul, even by merely staying on top of this story and understanding that this is a problem, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, it means a lot to each family. Um, I, I realize, I mean, again, you have dozens of American families who are in this position, uh, and it's hard to... Uh, spread your interest and concern over so many people. So I'm very, very grateful. I understand the challenge that it presents. Uh, to the U.S. government, uh, I would say, I hope that you will work harder to move faster to resolve these sorts of detention cases, particularly in cases like with uh, Rwanda, where we've got governments who are receiving benefits from the U.S. Uh, already and are then holding uh, American citizens or, or um uh, permanent residence hostage. Uh, and then for governments like Russia, I would say that this is not a conducive way to uh, engage in foreign policy. Uh, it is obviously uh, a problem in U.S.-Russian relationship. It will remain a problem until it's solved. And uh, I think the only thing that I am hopeful for is that by having this particular issue and this, these particular administrations, we may see some movement because of greater engagement by the Biden administration with uh, President Putin's people. 
Well, David, thank you again, as always, um, with deep respect for you and your family and uh, empathy and uh, understanding for what it is you're going through. We thank you for taking time to talk to us on today, the anniversary of Paul Whelan's captivity in Russia, his unjust, unfair detention in Russia. We thank you for taking time to talk to us. Thanks, JJ, as always. David Whelan, twin brother of Paul Whelan, in custody in Russia, unfairly convicted of something he didn't do for three years now. So we hope that you will continue to stay focused on this case. Do what you can to help the family and to make sure that nobody forgets about him or other Americans or anyone, anywhere, that's unfairly in custody, convicted of something they didn't do. Coming up on our next episode, January 6th. Hey guys, I've been in the other room. Listen to me. In the other room on the other side of this door, right here where these people are standing, there is a glass that if somebody, if it's broken, you can drop down into a room underneath it. A look back at the Capitol riot and a look forward. We are in trouble. I mean, your democracy had a heart attack on the 6th of January. When you have a heart attack, you should change your lifestyle. You should change your diet. And I'm not sure you have. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Hey guys, Jay Cutler. Started a new podcast called Uncut with Jay Cutler. Most of you know me from the NFL, some of you have seen me on Instagram, and some of you know me from the reality TV world. Each week I'm taking you along with me as we discuss football, trending topics, and whatever's going on in my life each week. I'm bringing along people that are special in my life, former teammates, friends, and some new people that I like and respect. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Podcasting? I think I'm doing this right. Can't wait to get started with you. Go subscribe now. Uncut with Jay Cutler, Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.